Love can sure spin your head around. God, where do you begin? Well, hello. We must have been meant to be together. It's too bad you have to work tonight. Only till midnight. Fate is a funny thing. Take a nap, because you're going to need all your energy tonight. It was one of those strange nights. Finally meet the right girl and you blow it. That could ruin your whole day. In a big way. Dad, it's happening. This is it. This is really it. This is the big one. This is a joke, right? It's really happening. 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 This can't be true. Hey, everybody. It's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And this is another episode of the non-canonical adventures of JD and R Randy as we explore non-canon films this summer again. Yep, just like last time. This time we went to a bit of a more obscure place with 1989's Miracle Mile, a film I had never heard of until Randy randomly brought it up once. Yeah, so this is a uh, apocalyptic thriller. Yeah, uh, it's eventually. Not, eventually, it's directed by Steve DeJarnett, written by Steve DeJarnett, and starring Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham. Mm-hmm. As our two protagonists. Uh, actually, our protagonist and his love interest. And then a bunch of character actors in all the other roles, including one Denise Crosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Fuller, Brian Thompson, uh, McKelty Williamson, and John Egger. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, I should probably say Chip as well. And Raphael Sparge as Chip. Yeah, this movie starts out with a guy who finally gets a girlfriend, and they're getting their relationship together. He finds the love of his life at yeah. 30. At 30, and then what happens is, one night he uh, oversleeps because of a malfunctioning alarm clock because of a power outage. And he goes to a diner where he's supposed to meet his woman, but he's three hours late. And while he's there, he gets a phone call. On kids, on this little thing known as a phone booth. Well, the movie takes place in 1989. 1989 in L.A. on the strip known as the Miracle Mile. Yeah, this movie doesn't exactly change. You can't just put the movie out and put it in another era. It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, anyway, he gets a phone call. And it's this crazed guy who's looking for his dad. Because apparently the bombs are going to drop. Uh, yeah, let me get that exact quote that's, that sets this whole thing off. And uh, that the From that point on, the movie sort of spirals out of control as he tries to get his womans to safety and a lot of stuff happens along the way yeah this is the exact quote that sets this whole thing off i told you what would happen if it never came down well it is we don't know why why would we huh it's for real dad it's no drill we shoot our wad in 50 minutes they're going to ping us they're going to pick us up in five or ten and you could get it back in an hour and ten maybe 75 minutes what exactly are you talking about i'm talking about nuclear fucking war who is this where's my dad get my dad Look, your dad, look, there's nobody here. Where is he supposed to be? And that's basically the whole thing. When the guy realizes that he's called the wrong number. And that's poor Chip, by the and way. That, and then is found out that he's telling somebody and gets shot in the head. He's killed. Poor Chip. And later on, he calls the number again and finds his father. So we, so there's we the audience, learn that, oh yeah, that he wasn't lying. That, that was true. Yeah. It wasn't a prank. And most of the movie is just him trying to find Julie, uh, find, find his love interest and get her 
out of L.A. along with a bunch of other people that he's met along the way uh, and had informed him about the incoming nuclear apocalypse. Spoiler alert, nobody makes it. They blow up. And the thing about that is is that it's a real chicken little situation because there's a lot of it's like, wait, is it really happening? Is it some sort of elaborate prank? Mm-hmm. And then things just go no- go south like so fast. Yeah. It's like a game of telephone. More and more people learn about it until uh, it spirals out of control by the end. This is before the whole disaster movie uh, boom that took place, like, at this point, I think, like, five, six years later with Independence Day. That's correct. This is ahead of uh, that uh, period. But everything else about the movie is pretty much 1989, from the fashions to the music to, well, everything about it, the cinematography. It's of its time. It's not really uh, that far ahead. So, what Mm -hmm. did you think of the movie? I was confused. Because you told me about the movie and I saw the trailer for the movie and I was, I don't know, I think I was expecting something a little different than what ended up happening. I don't know. I don't normally, I, I try to avoid swearing as much as possible on uh, this podcast, mm-hmm. but this movie is fucking tense. It is pretty tense. Actually. Like, like that's how much it's like, I have to emphasize this. It's like, it's fucking tense. Yeah, I thought it was going to be some sort of a quirky indie thing at some point. And it starts off, it's like, oh, look at this romantic uh, comedy going on here. Oh, they had their meet cute at the museum. And they're talking about the La Brea par- the tar pits. And ha ha ha, look at them. He found a love of his life. Oh, he's in a swing band? Was that his? Or was it? No, big band. He's in a big band. Yeah, Glenn Miller thing. Glenn mentioned. Miller style. Yeah, ha ha ha. They're so quirky. Yeah, and then it goes pretty off the rails after that. <laughs> Things just spiral more and more out of control once he gets the call from Chip. Poor Chip. And then, yeah, he ends up telling everybody that's, uh, what's going down at the diner. And then one of them is coincidentally kind of connected in certain ways and is able to find information. And goes, no, something's going on. we got to get mm-hmm. up. So, yeah. So, the movie confused you and I just found it tense. It's like, wow. The movie confused me because, like I said, the, the trailer for it doesn't really tell you what it's going to be like and the premise also doesn't really tell you so the trailer you like. saw was the one that plays it off like this indie this quirky indie romantic comedy thing and then it's just they just play the phone call right yeah that's pretty much it so you figure oh okay so it's going to be this is going to happen and he's going to have to try to tell people and he's going to have to convince them not really what happens <laughs> not really what happens at all it's mostly just him trying to get to her get to her and then get her to safety that's pretty much the whole plot of the movie so, just to give some background on the film before we move on. And it's very our... violent, by the way. It's surprisingly <laughs> very violent! It's very violent. Wow! Uh, we're not going to surprise you that this is another R-rated film we just watched. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, shooting, burning, and dying. So, ooh, gee, gee. That, in retrospect, that's a, that's a bad year. So, the movie originally premiered at the Toronto Festival of Festivals on September 11th, 1988. Wow. Traveling that's... back through time into a movie that has a bunch of explosions. Oof. And, and then the would finally premiere in the U.S. on May 19th. The movie had a budget of uh, $3.7 million and had a box office gross of $1.1 million and change. I never heard of this movie until you brought it up. So I literally heard about it on a different podcast, listened to the trailer, went, huh, this sounds interesting and up our alley, and I wasn't expecting this. No, I, I would have thought something like this would have been more well known, even after yeah. watching it. It's like it's you have literally Anthony Edwards, who's not a humongous actor, but was a humongous actor at a certain time in our lifetime. So you'd think he would have bubbled back up and known about this. And he even had hair in this movie. Yeah, but he still had no chin. <laughs> he never had a chin. Yeah, so 
It's a pretty straightforward movie. I mean, we can't really talk much more about the plot than that. It's really, you can break the movie up into four segments. You have the romantic comedy to the reveal of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You have the scene in the diner. You have him trying to get to Julie. Mm-hmm. And then you have the last part. Mm-hmm. Of, trying to where where it shows out. man's inhumanity to man. Mm-hmm. Where things start to melt down. And according to Randy, this was almost a Twilight Zone movie segment. Yeah, this was the, they were interested in having this film... Uh, be in the Twilight Zone movie that we actually did, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was going to be... The, 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 the treatment they gave it had a twist ending, a Twilight Zone-esque twist ending. And, um, and the writer did not like it, and he chose to go out and direct it himself and do his own. And watching the movie, I think it's pretty obvious what that twist would be. <laughs> that nothing would have happened. Or Aliens. I don't think it would have been that. But I'm pretty sure it would have been nothing would have happened. And, um, yeah, that, that was complete opposite of what happens here. It's not even close to the same thing. So, I have to go on a tangent for a second about Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. My favorite ending, I don't remember the rest of the episode, it's just that they're, they're astronauts on, on a planet. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with him being stepped on. And, they're like, and then the other astronaut going, ha ha, yeah, I am the, this is, I, I, I'm commander of all I survey. And then an even bigger alien steps on top of him. I just love that ending because it's there so dumb. There are a lot of Twilight Zone endings with astronauts doing weird things. I just love that, that stupid show. ending. It's really a lot of it. Well, yeah, so, so let's let's go on with our regularly scheduled broadcast of uh, mm-hmm. the non-canonical adventures of J.D. and Randy and, and head straight into your highlights of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be, and this is going to sound bad because it usually does, but I'm going to say the soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. And I'm not saying this to be little movie. I'm saying it because I really like the soundtrack to this movie. It's very tense. It's very mood setting. And yes. It's very catchy. I really liked it. It's a really good soundtrack. I like really, really good. I really did. But not just to say like, well, I, I like the soundtrack because I hate the right. What a uh, scene I really like, just to put it out there, is the the diner scene where he reveals everything that's going on. Uh, all the actors act uh, completely different ways to it. Everybody has. But their own realistically, reaction. they react. Yeah. To it's it. it's a very it's a very tense scene. It's a very well shot scene. It's a very well directed scene. Uh, and I thought it set the mood from that point on for the rest of the movie quite well because it's a jarring shift from what we were just doing to where we're going but it works really well um so my highlight of the film is that is the performances it's like mm-hmm. like the diner scene you could see them literally going in it's like okay we have certain actors that have set things they're supposed to say but we want you to react to what they're saying and mm-hmm. we want to and we want you to be living this thing it's like we're not giving you what and these people realistically react you have someone who doesn't want to believe it to the point where he doesn't leave with them you have you have one that's like really doesn't believe them and he's just he, he hates the guy and it's just like stuff like that going around was there um before we go any further was there some sort of symbolism supposed to be when they went into the diner and the coyote was there and another person was there instead of the person they left there because i thought in my head, I was expecting that person to still be there or nobody to be there, but there was somebody else there. And it just feels like that there's a reason they did that, and I don't really know why it is. I don't know, but I like I said, it's so confusing. They walk in, and there's a coyote sitting there, and I'm like, that was quick. Yeah, like I said, if it was like empty or it was just a coyote with that person that they left there was still there, I would have understood. No, the guy would have ran. Like that, that, that guy would have ran the moment the... Uh, Probably, but it was just the way... Everybody started going crazy. It's just the way they showed the scene, I thought. And the person that, was, that replaced him was obviously a vagrant. Yeah, but they were like, like gray hair and all that. So I thought maybe there was something there, but uh, whatever. There might be, because I think there's a lot of heavy symbolism in the movie, but I'm not really reading oh, too heavily into oh, the movie. They're pretty obvious. But is to go points. back to my highlights, like I said, mm-hmm. the performances were phenomenal. I, I, I really think that yeah. some some people in here are 
should have gone on to do more. But it's like I said, this, this is really one of those I know that guy movie, but you can't say the mo- the names of the guy. Yeah. Um, for, for, and then the other thing that yeah. has to be called out as a highlight yeah. is the atmosphere. This movie is so tense. It's actually kind of a terrifying movie. And it ends up being so tightly paced because of... If any pacing went wrong, that that tension would dissipate and it would just be gone. Mm, that's part of why I said the soundtrack was so strong because it really does help set that uh, that mood. And it's got different layers of it, like uh, kind of like urban gothic sometimes at, at yeah. times. It's very, very eerie and it's catchy at the same time. I don't... I really like that soundtrack, but it's Tangerine Dream, so I guess that's expected. And um, for um, a movie that had eleven million, I thought the special effects were pretty good. I was expecting for what oh, it was because it was. Oh, this is obviously lower budget, so it's not going to be that good. But then you see like the explosions and the shooting and the falling parts and stuff, things falling apart and stuff. It's done really well, shot really well, and directed convincingly. And I can't stress enough that mankind falls into chaos at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Well, especially this era because of the whole uh, nuclear scare thing. Which, uh, well, I guess since we already did highlights, we might as well go into lowlights. I'm which curious. is naturally what we do. What's your lowlight of the film? Uh, probably the ending. <laughs> Diamonds! Okay, that's because you're bringing your own thing to it. I thought the ending was fine, but... I know what they're going with thematically with the whole dinosaur thing because that's where it started. And, yeah, exactly. And but plot-wise, it just kind of feels unsatisfying. Even if there would have... You would have seen them get blown up. It probably would have been more satisfying. It's just... I don't know. I was just sitting there going... Eh. So the ending of the film is... They kind they get to where they were supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Like at the, to- at the tower where there's supposed to be a rendezvous point. Helicopter's gone. That they're supposed to be waiting for them. Mm-hmm. As they're standing there talking to a crazy guy that, was, that could have left with them but thought it was all fake... Yeah. The helicopter pilot comes back because he said that he would come back for them. He he paid him. He said he was going to wait for them, but he couldn't wait longer, so he came back for them. Mm-hmm. As they're flying away, the bomb hits again. Another bomb hits. Mm-hmm. They lose power, and they go out of control, and they land in the La Brea tar pits, where they slowly drown, and then are hit by a nuclear blast. And while they're talking, they start saying, it's like, no, no, it's like... What what do you what did you expect to happen? It's like there's nothing for us up there. There's nothing for us below. We're gonna die. Maybe one day they'll find us. Mm-hmm. Time back into them in the museum at the beginning, and then and then she says some very pretty things about, or he says some very pretty things about how maybe they'll be lucky and they'll get hit by a uh, the nuclear bomb directly, and that the the pressure will be so much that they'll reform as diamonds. Yeah, it's like I said, that's a very schmaltzy, very. Uh, and considering how tense the rest of the movie was, it's just kind of like, okay, I get what you're going with this, but uh, it doesn't do anything. My for problem me. was that the ending was a called shot. There, there's no, there's no way out of this. There was no, there's no way that this could have ended satisfyingly. It was just. I, I think it would have been better if they would have just flown away and it would have saw a flash or something. It, even that, it, I don't know. It just, it didn't do anything for me. And by the time they, like, you know, the bomb dropped, like, well, yeah, they were gonna die, so. Being in the tar pit is just kind of too on the nose. I mean, we already got the symbolism at the beginning of the movie. You didn't really need to wrap it around that heavily. But that's my low light. What's your low life? I've actually having trouble to, to figure one out. Because like I said, I, didn't ha- I don't have a, much of an issue with it. Because I kind of, like I said, it was a called shot. It's like you knew that this was in a... Once, once the tension ramped up and once you knew what the stakes were, mm-hmm. the ending was either going to be nothing's happening, it's a chicken little situation, or the bomb's dropping and there's no way they're getting out. Yeah, it was going to be something like that. And uh, I, generally, I don't like those type of endings. But this for this movie, it kind of worked because in the end, 
he got to be with the woman he loved, and they're going to be together forever. I think it would have been but more. I don't like, have any real lowlights. I guess I guess I could I could agree with you that maybe the ending in general, just but that's kind of a feature of this genre. Yeah. It's, it's not a boy and his dog situation where they're eating the uh, the remains of the woman he lo- he loved after killing him and makes a bad pun well, like level like that like her um her uh, aunt there who had uh, grandmother grandmother. Who had the long lost love because they didn't they fought or something like that? I think if the two of them would have had some sort of huge blowed argument that was irreparable and this would have brought them together by the end, it would have been more satisfying. But they didn't really have that, so it's just kind of like they were in a better situation now and they're in a worse situation now. They're gonna die, so it doesn't really feel like they went anywhere better. I'm making any sort of sense with that. I guess I didn't have any problem with anything plot wise for the movie yeah it's like like i said it's like i don't really have a a a, a, like something i can point out as a low light it's like i can say that the movie's not a perfect film no no film really is but i can say that i'm like there is something off on something that's niggling at the back of my mind but yeah it's like i said it's it's like i'm 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 overall fine with the whole film it's like i said there's something there it's a good movie i'm not gonna say it's uh disappointing or anything it's It's a surprising film to say the least it's just the ending was just um it didn't do it for me. I just let's put it that way. It didn't do anything for me. That's why it's. My, I don't. I know that my my confu- my my complaint isn't because I keep joking about it. What the cartoonishness of mankind immediately falling into. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty fast into into, into savagery and chaos that at the at the literally at the drop of a hat. Well, like there was a coyote right there. He was. It was five o'clock and he left what well, four o'clock. So it was an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really fast. And this is. And this is before the internet too, so you have to put that into context as well. If something like major happened, you wouldn't find out that fast back then. It's not like now where oh, there it is, flashing on your screen. It's not like that. So yeah, that, that's like I said, but it's at the same time, it's also a feature of the genre. So it's like I, I have a hard time calling it out. It's more like I'm, I'm more like I'm saying it's a low light of the genre of, of actually. Of that. You know what it reminds me more of when you mentioned the coyote, for instance, it reminds me of like um, the Zucker Brothers and Airplane. You'd randomly have something like a coyote show up. That's what that would remind me of. They do. They would parody disaster movies. I thought you were going to say Ralph Wiggum pointing at a rat and going, "The rat stands for obviousnessness." <laughs> rat stands for obviousness. Well, that part is a bit too on the nose. Like, there's that's maybe that's nose. it. Maybe the ending is just too on the nose. There are too many points near the end that's that are too on the nose. I guess is the thing. But as a whole, uh, and, and then the little coincidences. I get the idea of the theory of like, uh, yeah, like wide world, co- like phenomena of coincidence. That fact that when he walks to the diner, oh, just coincidentally, somebody who has connections that can find out all this information about whether something going on and arrange a transport for them out of there to Antarctica. Well, that uh, kind of stretches my suspension. Well, of all of them, that all, all of those coincidences. I think that one bothered me the least because of the people who were there, the two guys who obviously work there and they mentioned her and all this sort of stuff and then later they go to that building yeah and then he's that guy who ran away is there who works there yeah. so that kind of wraps around and it's more convincing there are other ones like um wilson for instance who comes back later yeah and we don't know why he's half dead and why the woman he's with is dead no we we know why roughly is because he rate they they okay so there's a scene in the movie one of the segments is is Anthony Edward hijacks a car being driven by an African-American who had just stolen a bunch of stereos, mm-hmm. um, holds him up at gunpoint and says, we need to get to this building. They run out of gas. They wind up at a taxi a place and try to steal gas while he goes to look for somebody to give them money mm-hmm. uh, and make some phone calls. A guy comes out with a shotgun, threatens to kill them. They give him money and yada, yada, yada. That guy disappears. Long story short, 
I, I'm assuming he's dead. Is long story short, is in order to escape, this guy Wilson takes the gas, sprays it at two cops that came to investigate. The cops are blind. They fire a gun. They set themselves they on both fire. fire, and they both fire, set themselves on on fire, and then everything blows up. And then the guy tells him that no, we have to get out of here. And then lies to Wilson and says, "What's actually happening is mm-hmm. there's a nuclear meltdown. We have to get out of the city." Yeah, I know that, but I'm just saying he's like half dead and wounded. So what I'm saying is that that when they got there, it's Anthony Edwards' character wasn't completely in the shot yet. They were radioing in saying we're we're approaching a African American Mm -hmm. uh, suspect, suspect, Mm -hmm. and and gave him a rough description, like you know, like this to say what it is, and then tell him to hold down. So they know that there's a there's a missing police car, and that. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, an African-American person is driving this police car. Well, it's the fact he was in a car the whole time, so why was he half dead by the time they found they, him? They, they were firing at him because they sent in a full squad. Like, remember, they sent in, like, the tactical squad at the at the end to get him. Mm-hmm. And he was basically dead. Well, yeah. And he was just trying to get his sister out. Well, that's what I mean. And, like I said, that guy who was with them at the gas station, I don't see why he wouldn't have run away. But, like I said, there's... And, like, the, when the pilot came back and he was already bleeding, like, what happened to him? Like, there's stuff, like, we, you're just not really told exactly everything that happened. But, like, that's just minor stuff. I'm just saying that that stuff bothered me more than the woman who coincidentally had connections. Because at least that was wrapped around. We've talked long enough about the movie, so why don't you give us your rating on this one, Rain? Um, it's like I'm leaning towards a five. But, like I said, there's that little niggling thing at the back of my mind. So, it's like, this is one of those 4.5 movies. Like this is one of the movies where it's like it's 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 really good. It's like it it, it does everything great. It doesn't stick the landing a hundred percent. So it's like, uh, but I still want to award it for being such a surprise, for being such tenseness. Yeah. So I think I will still say that this is a five. Okay. It's a flawed movie, but it is a really good movie. I agree. I think I'll go with the three. I liked it a lot. It was very fun. I don't. I can't exactly explain. The things that niggle me about it, but the stuff I like about it, I like a lot about it. Especially, like I said, the soundtrack is pretty boss. And I definitely do recommend go seeing this one. Especially considering I don't think anybody knows about the movie, like, at all. I'd never heard about it before. And I'm kind of surprised nobody's ever talked about it before now. Yeah, like I said, I was just, it's, I'm going to laugh if it's the summer ends up just being random things Randy heard about on a podcast. And it's like, wow, these are surprises. Well, we've got some really random choices coming up as well. You're going to look at them and then why did they pick this movie? And then you'll see when we, when we talk about it. So I guess with yep. that, uh, I'm Randy. And I'm JD. And this is a non-canonical adventure of JD and Randy. And, and the movie we watched was Miracle Mile. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. Nobody believes this, do they? Not me. Not Spongy. Make a list for me. People who we want to bring along. Who we got to get Julie. Who's Julie? Harry Belafonte. Who are you? Who are you? Stop and let me off. I don't stop for nothing. Jump! Don't hurt me, man. I got Nakamichi Pioneer. I got everything. If it doesn't happen, I'll tell you. If what doesn't happen, man? I'm dreaming. That's, that's it, I'm dreaming. Miracle Mile. Listen, I'm just a guy who, who picked up the phone.